Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jill Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Today's episode is sponsored by Ravel and Bethany House Publishers, which are divisions of Baker Publishing Group. Find out more at bakerpublishinggroup.com. Hello, everybody. It's Jamie Joe right here with Mad Lit Musings. And as usual, I'm super excited for this next author um, who's been here before, Suzanne Wood Fisher. Welcome. Hello, and thank you for hosting me today. It's always fun to connect with you and chat. It is. It is. And you have another book out um, that actually came out in September. So um, yes. it has already been out. Up, but it, the book, Ooh, there it is. Lost and Found. But I love the cover. I love yeah. what they did. It just feels very much like a hint. Yeah, it does. It does. And not mm-hmm. to play off the Amish element of simplicity, but it's also a simple cover design that really catches your eye I noticed I agree and it's interesting because Amish fiction covers are really designed so that a reader knows they are crossing into another world so Mm -hmm. every Amish cover every publishing house and I have just been really pushing to get a face off of it because I just feel like let the reader come up with their own face and so I'm really happy the last couple books have had been, that sounds funny, but I'm speaking to a, a writer of, who understands this, a faceless book. A faceless book, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, That's- I, love I love it. You know it's Amish. You know mm-hmm. there's just details, but it's not It's not um, projecting too much into the reader's mind. No, and the other thing I noticed is, um, well, this sounds horrible, but I'm not, I don't read a lot of Amish fiction personally, but the cover appeals to me more as a non-Amish reader because it doesn't look so Amish, but yet I know it's Amish. Which you mean? But that is kind of cool though, because I've noticed with Amish fiction that it's starting to, um, or it has been branching off a little bit more from the traditional Amish story that I grew up with. And there's more exploration within that genre, which is really cool. And I know that you like to do a lot of that. Yeah, I love issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thinking I I keep laughing because it's so funny Amish fiction and then you know the topics of your books are are so fascinating and (laughs) (laughs) Halloween-ish yes I know right yeah I'm not sure our books would ever share book space if it had to do with topic but it'd be an honor we walked into Walmart one day and they were next to each other that would be great I I would take a picture and frame that to be perfectly honest I think that'd be great Okay, so tell us a little bit about Lost and Found and what it's about and what readers can expect from it. Well, it actually kind of began a, a book a few books ago called A Season on the Wind that mm-hmm. was a book about a young man named Micah Yo Micah, no, Micah Weaver, sorry, who had a he was a field guide. He's a crackerjack birder. So he and he loves raptors. That's his whole thing. And he also has a stutter. So he is a, a one of those guys that does better with birds than with people. Mm-hmm but he listens well. So in that book, I had a bird log of Micah's through at the end of every chapter. And it was kind of fun because it was a way to use his humor as well as to give a reader some actual knowledge about a bird in a really palatable way, very fun, enjoyable. And really that 
Also, there was this young woman named Trudy Yoder. She was a young 13, 14 ish, okay. 15. Um, she was loved birds too, loved Mike even more. Trudy has an older sister, Shelly, who Micah was crazy about. Shelly exit the scene in that book, breaks his heart. That's that's a season on the wind. Okay, at the end of that, my editor, I had this idea of like another bird story. Mm-hmm. My editor said, I think that's enough about birds. <laughs> well, that book went seven months on the ECPA bestseller list. Mm-hmm. So back she comes and said, I think we could do another bird story. <laughs> You know, I would love to take Trudy and give her a chance to speak. And she now is the one, even though they are not, it's not a series really, but they're great Mm -hmm. companion books. A Lost and Found is really through Trudy's eyes. And Mm -hmm. we have Trudy's bird log. She loves songbirds. Micah loved raptors, like eagles and ravens and hawks and all. But she's crazy about songbirds. She loves symbolism, especially in the Bible. Mm -hmm because there's so much of it and she's also you know still just crazy about Micah well along in Lost and Found along comes Micah and Trudy this is a few years later are starting to actually have a little bit of you know their relationship is kind of heating up from a friendship just enough and she's true because she found his journal and read it so she knows there's some something brewing and right about that point he starts getting these mysterious cryptic phone calls on the phone machine mm-hmm. from Shelly, the sister that went missing. Oh. And they're, they're little like snippets of Micah, I'm in danger. I need your help. She hangs up. And then another one, you know, like Micah, I, you've got to come and then hangs up fast. And it's driving him crazy because he really felt like, look, I'm over her. I'm done. I'm not going to get sucked into Shelly's world. Sure enough, he does. He goes right back, sleeps in the phone shanty, waiting for her phone to call. He finally starts to realize that if he can use his listening skills, he could probably figure out where she is. And so he listens and listens and listens to these voicemail message. Think back to a message machine in in the 90s. That's kind of what they were, where Mm -hmm. you're on repeat. And he actually figures it out. So that's kind of the story. That's cool. They chase to find a very rare bird in Shelly. And poor Trudy is is uh, left at home, hoping things are going to kind of turn. So I won't spoil it, but it's a really fun story with a great ending. I love it. I love it. And the, the copy off your website says, I love the last line, what Micah doesn't know is that what you're looking for isn't always what you find. There's I like that story. line whopper of a surprise coming <laughs> so okay this is cool. i love okay let's talk birds why birds how did that that's an interesting slant in and of itself so where did that come from the amish are huge birders like really? is their top hobby and they do it in such a respectful way they do not they even though they might have expensive scopes okay do not use calls on their iPhones because they don't necessarily have them mm-hmm. um, the way an impatient non-Amish person might do to try to right. which would confuse the bird they are they teach their children they are out in nature they see it they you know are surrounded by it that's what's fun about birds they're everywhere every yeah. continent they're um four flyways and across the United States and those flyways in the sky are really like a highway for migration. And so 
much of where the Amish live, like especially Ohio area, they get so many migrating birds and so many rare birds. And they, you know, for uh, people who do not use the internet, they have a way of getting messages through like the Audubon rare bird alert, things mm-hmm. like that that are remarkable. And so then when the Christmas bird count comes along, a lot of Amish, especially teenagers are on the bird count and helping, they do circles where they're doing like in a full day during a, like a 12 day period. Okay. In when the birds are migrating, they will um, they will head out like in Ohio, the boys will be on their bicycles going, counting birds in this certain circle and they report that to Audubon. And it's so it's a huge part of being Amish. And they are um, during the pandemic, actually, even among regular people like you and me, they mm-hmm. bird watching became one of the top hobbies in the country. So it's it's a big deal. It's a it's so really like it seems like, you know, when you did you ever see Beverly Hillbillies and yeah. Jane Hathaway who would wear those long knee socks and the there's a very cool side to birding. <laughs> That's funny. That's you know, I had no idea that that was such a part of Amish culture though. Mm-hmm. I had zero idea. And that's kind of like their um television entertainment to a degree, really. I think they're really in tune with nature. Yeah. They observe it, they notice it. I mean, every Amish house has just tons of these purple mountain house house purple martin bird yeah. houses that look like condominiums. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Just like little birds are flying in and out of it like an airport. And you know, those are mosquito eaters. They use a lot of the birds and they count on them. And I think yeah. for the most part, especially the there's like, for example, an organic farmer, dairy farmer in Ohio who is an Amishman. And he will intentionally not, if birds like a bobolinks are nesting, mm-hmm. he will not leave that field alone until their nests planes oh, wow. fledge. And yeah, you know, I, I can't say that's true of all Amish, but I have found across the board there's so much delight in converting yeah. and they really, you know, they're all through the Bible. They are mm-hmm. from you know, really from Noah to mm-hmm. whales, uh, I mean, that came into the Exodus. There's, there's a lot of symbolism of birds, the raven that fed Elijah, the dove, yeah. Jesus. I mean, there's just Jesus speaking about it. He noticed sparrows. It's, yeah, that's true. That's very true. So you have the symbolism with the birds and stuff. And I'm assuming, do you weave that into the story, then the spiritual symbolisms as well? I have them in Trudy's bird log. So okay. she comes across a bird that's really unusual. She will mark the symbolism that she knows of it. Okay. You know, so, so yeah, I've done a lot of research and I bet. a wide variety of birds that would be common in the Pennsylvania mm-hmm. as well, because mm-hmm. my readers have sharp eyes and I will hear if I've blown it. Oh, <laughs> so. yes. Yes. But the wrong bird in the wrong region and you'll get lots of emails. Well, and actually sometimes that does happen during migration when you have a oh, story, you'll, you'll get a lot of birds knocked off course. And so oh. there's one story of a Northern wheat ear, and that is this tiny little bird that flies all the way from the Arctic circle down to the bottom of Africa every what? year and back again, oh, tiny little bird. And an Amish farmer went out and this is the thing about the Amish. They're outdoors. They notice, they mm-hmm. notice. So this this gentleman, um, this Amish farmer, noticed the bird, 
on his wood pile. And then he was noted it on the rare bird alert. And then this is true of birders. Okay. People then came by and they would line up far from a distance because the bird was resting there for a couple of days, almost sure. enjoyed the show. Yeah. And then this, this wonderful Amish farmer um, had a guest book that people could sign their names that they, you know, and, and just generous enough that? to open up his farm to let people see this see unusual, rare, rare sighting of a northern weed deer. Oh my goodness. And the fact that he even noticed it because they're so small. That he noticed it was unique and different and then yeah. knew, knew what it was. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. That's so cool. Birds are, I, I mean, honestly, I've, I've heard of symbolism with birds. Um, the primary one is the cardinal because that always seems to have so much symbolism with you know somebody who's passed away and then you see a cardinal and it's supposedly them um, but I have always loved sparrows mm -hmm. because of the verse in the bible you know God's eyes on the sparrow but when I was little um, and I remember this so clearly I felt sparrows were like the bullied bird by humans because nobody appreciated there was too many sparrows like sparrows are kind of like just the castaway bird because there's so many with the, if 10 of them disappear, there'll be 20 more that come back. And I was always like, oh, the poor sparrows. <laughs> I think of crows like that. Yes. <laughs> crows <Yes>. do without, <laughs> not really. They're No, they all serve a purpose, but. But no, sparrows are, I once you start, and I might have just opened up the door for you, but once you start noticing how a flock talks to each other and how they warn each other of like a crow circling and things like that. You just start realizing the drama that's unfolding in nature all the time. It's go in your backyard sometime and just sit quietly with a cup of coffee and you will start to notice things mm -hmm. that you, it will open your eyes to a world that goes is almost invisible because they're so clever at hiding in the trees. And, and yet the more, you know, the more you want to know. Oh, that's Okay. All right, Jamie's got a new hobby. We were on um, a vacation just recently out West and I have a picture. I took a picture of a bird that I noticed that I'd never seen before. And I still don't know what it is. So I have to like Google lens it now or something, but I was able to take a picture of it. And then I haven't followed up on it yet, but that's like one of the things like, oh, I've never seen that bird before. It's probably common to the area, but for me from the Midwest, I'm like, yeah, but that's the fun of it too. That's the fun yeah. of it. Yeah. I live in the West, no cardinals at all. Oh, really? And when I see a cardinal when I'm back East, a, a red one, a male, yeah. I actually fall off my chair. Oh my goodness. I'm I so excited. That. I love and that. Yet, you know, and they don't migrate. So you see no. them in the winter, but they're so common. My friend looked at me like, are you okay? And I thought, a red cardinal. <laughs> But I know I love cardinals and we have, we, we live in the woods. And so that whole concept of sitting out on the deck with a cup of coffee, I'll do that. And the cardinals call is so distinct. Mm -hmm. And um, one time this early spring, we had one and it would just sit in the trees. You couldn't see it. Um, so I'm wondering if it was a female, but she would do this really her, her distinctive call, but it was easy enough to mimic. And one morning I thought, I'm going to try and have a conversation with this bird. And maybe I didn't really, but I believe I did, right? So I started mimicking and then she would whistle back and then I would whistle and then she would whistle back. And I'm like, oh, I talked to the Cardinals this morning. 
Yeah, they're probably thinking, oh, there's a cute guy around. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Or they're like, oh, it's that crazy lady on the porch with her coffee. Let's have fun with her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fun. Okay. Oh, yeah. This so, book I to bring up, and maybe you were yes. listening. No, go for it. And and that is, I also wove into this book. Yeah. The different parts of the Amish that most people don't know a lot about, because there's just sort of an assumption one size fits all. Mm-hmm. There's a spectrum among the Amish of very progressive, or maybe we would say liberal, mm-hmm. to all the way to the far other side of super conservative. Mm-hmm. And I have both of those in this story, as well as okay. my main little village, which is, I would say, is like a, a centralist <laughs> of old order Amish, a little yeah. bit in the middle. Um, and it was really fun. The, the story is about a progressive group called the Beachies who have moved in and bought up farmland and and also something which is typical among the Amish they sort of are tempting the youth away they're not trying to but a teenager and have him notice that another kid who's wearing plain clothes has a iPad at home you know or and 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 they can be baptized and remain plain. And so some of the youth are being pulled away. And the Amish, I think, are feeling of Stony Ridge are just feeling squeezed out. And true to the Amish, they pack up and move. Mm. That's historically what they do. They don't really? have an open conflict. Okay. What they did from Europe. They they kept yeah. chased across Europe and then they finally came to the, the new world to buy land, which they couldn't do in Europe. And so they that's why they keep moving to different corners as well why they're okay. and and heading into montana and colorado yeah. and that kind of thing they they just come up and go and so that's what they're considering and that's how micah starts out on his search for shelly okay. because he sort of steers the bishop in a direction toward a very isolated area of tennessee where and this is true where mm-hmm. the sports intruders a very conservative group okay living so my husband and i traveled through there in really fascinating to see the differences of a very isolated communities of of the old order amish and mm-hmm. we're talking jamie we're talking you know flowers in front of the house which is not typical of lancaster lancaster gardens mm-hmm. are just like their quilts they're absolutely stunning mm-hmm. um, Homes that were tidy, but not necessarily freshly painted. Okay. Um, very plain clothing, nothing adorned at all. They don't interact with having shops in town like you might find in Indiana, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, but they will have little kind of humble farm stands on their homes that okay. you can buy jams and jellies. Sure. But here's something on the other side of that. The doors of their home were this charming color of blue. And no one knows why. They just, it's just tradition, but a white house with a a lovely blue door. And that was home after home after home. And then something my husband noticed that I thought was just a a picture of of life. (laughs) Their homes obviously had very little, you know, no toys outside, no things, no, no, just stuff. You turn the corner and go into where the non-Amish live and okay. their yards were junk, just junk. It was oh. old tractors and trucks and mm-hmm. busted out wheelbarrows. And yeah, yeah. 
huh, interesting. <laughs> just, yeah. just to comment on two different cultures living side by side. Right, so. right. That's so fascinating. There's so much we can learn from the Amish too. Um, and I know, I think we've talked about it before, but just that, that simplicity and bringing that, you know, I almost think of that as symbolic of even our faith. Like you can have a simple faith, like a child, you know, like the Lord says, come on to me like a child. Um, and that's really simplicity. And, and then we complicate it so much. And then we have all this garbage hanging around us. And we were like, well, we can't go anywhere until the garbage is cleared. So therefore we don't go anywhere near the Lord or in our faith. And we're just so distracted Yeah, all from that. Like you were saying that simple faith, not a childish faith, but a oh. child faith. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I look at my, you know, I look at my um, nieces when they were little and, you know, then the the big uncles that are right there. And I look at them, it's like even my daughter, right? When she was little, she would just race up to her uncles and fully expect to be thrown in the air. Or I have some pictures of her, you know, as she's a year and a half and she's napping and her uncle's napping. Right. And now she's older and the approach is way more cautious. There's like something as you, as you get older, it's the same uncle. He's never changed, you know, still loves you, but there's this awareness of whatever it is that you no longer run with this abandonment and this just faith that, oh, the uncle's going to love me. It's just kind of like, hello, you know, more, more cautious. And I kind of look at faith like that sometimes too, as we get older in our faith, we just get more cautious to go before the Lord. And maybe it's because we understand more about who he is and his kingship and his lordship. And that creates more of a caution, which can be healthy, but there's sometimes I'm just so I just want to run up to God and say, pick me up. <laughs> just pick me up, please. <laughs> I love that. I think that's a beautiful parallel. I love, love that. That's a really great picture of a your daughter's at a self-conscious age yeah. or, you know, yeah. 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 And then you get to my age where my uncle's, he's going to be turning 80 and, you know, he comes down and visits and now I'm back to that childish abandonment of, oh, my uncle's here. And, you know, you just throw yourself in his arms. So it's, you know, we go through stages and I think our faith does too, but um, I don't know. I got off on a rabbit trail there with that, but it had to do with simplicity of houses and complications. And actually, what I like is that you took it to a place that I appreciate about when we talk about the older Amish, which is beyond the bonnets and buggies and beards. Yeah. yeah. I really appreciate they're not perfect people. They're we're right. not meant to be Amish. There are very few converts to the Amish, very, very few. Mm-hmm. And and I've told you before, it's the fastest growing population in North America. It's from the inside out. Yeah. And I feel as if what we can learn from them has to do with that, how their faith is mm-hmm. rested on and yeah. how they hold true to their principles and yeah. their, despite the distractions of a modern world that right. are right. So, right. Distractions yeah. and pulls and yeah. Oh, there's something comforting to that, especially in today's culture, I think where it's, you know, who would have thought like rules and traditions would be comforting, but there's an expectation, like, you know what to expect from it versus the constant surprise of having no boundaries. It's kind of why I like Southwest Airlines, because you know, what yes. you're... <laughs> you know what you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> and this podcast has been sponsored by Southwest Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but we know what, what Suzanne wants Fisher flies now. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> goes to the, some of the more unusual parts of the country, which is where I seem yes. to always Hey, those are the best parts. Those are the best parts. Oh, well, uh, this has been so much fun, but we should probably wrap it up. And readers, I'm assuming, like we've chatted before, can find you at your website. Is there anything else they should know about that you wanted to share? Well, okay, a couple quick things. One, on my website, SuzanneWoodsFisher.com, there is a pop-up for a newsletter. Mm -hmm. Just consider yourself invited to subscribe because that's where I really share a lot of good things with my I, I take really good care of of that yeah. Of my yeah and so the first of everything will come through there and I do a lot of giveaways and contests and easy to unsubscribe if you're getting too many but mm-hmm. consider it an invitation and then second I do have to tell you that the third book in the ice cream series is coming out in the spring love on a whim yes really great wrap up to a series I yes love it and a lot of food in it oh <laughs> so, okay called love on a whim and i'm just now getting the cover released to be able to share and all great cover i feel like when i have a new book coming out i want to give it it's due and not too much with what's coming next yeah i want to get there soon because the cover's that that charming and that beautiful oh that's exciting and the exciting part is then you can go to bakerbookhouse.com and pre-order it and get 40 percent off and free shipping so that's best deal in town it yeah. is it really is and then they hand wrap everything it's just the best package to get in the mail they release before release date they do it is they do. always aim yeah. go there go there just like southwest go yes. <laughs> exactly so fly southwest buy books at baker Bookhouse, and be sure to pre-order suzanne's new book <laughs> coming out in the spring and i'm sure you'll be back to join us yes. and we'll talk food next time instead of birds Thank you. Well, thanks so much for being here, Suzanne. It's always a blast. Today's episode is sponsored by Ravel and Bethany House Publishers, which are divisions of Baker Publishing Group. Find out more at bakerpublishinggroup.com. Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.